0: Hey everyone, welcome to Probably Science. I'm Matt Kirshen. I'm Andy Wood. And uh, I want to just jump straight into our guest, because this is someone I'm, I'm very pleased to have on the show. I've wanted for a long time. Uh, one, of, one of the best comics around. The, pers- the comic who has, I believe, the record current record for the most stand-up appearances on letterman and a record that seems relatively likely to hold true is jake johansson
1: oh that's yes i think that is true i think that is true and i mean until they invent the time machine i don't think anybody's going to take that away from me right now
2: that is a nice thing about retirement yeah you've got that one on lock
1: yeah yeah yeah, it it's is like For they... a second, for a second, I thought you were saying that I was retired. Oh no! <laughs> <And> I, was, <laughs> yes. I had a little bit of a panic because that is a recurring <laughs> kind of thought that I have now during this coronavirus thing. Is like, did I? Am I retired? Did I, <laughs> is
2: it thrust upon me?
1: Do I still have a job? I, the, the, I, I don't know. It's. Uh, have you done any of these Zoom shows? No, I haven't. Uh, I, I can't. I just. It seems weird to me. Have you done a Zoom show?
0: I've done quite a few now, and. I don't know. They are weird. Uh, uh, they they are definitely not the same as doing an in person show, and I don't think they'll ever be as good as doing an in person show. But you know, they're scratching that itch and they're serving a purpose, both from my point of view and I think from potential audience members' point of view. Points of view.
1: Can Can you hear the audience response to your jokes? And are you doing the same type of set that you would be doing in a comedy club, or is it different?
0: Um, it's you. They, there's different ways of doing it that have different setups. And the way that seems to work best is one where there is a sort of a certain amount of audience that is allowed in to be as like you are the tr- you are the trusted 10 and you get to be the or 20 or whatever. You get to be the invited laughers and then everyone else is watching streaming because Zoom right there are people working on it, but there is no platform right now that has mastered the act of mixing audio levels together in the right way. With a vo- with a comedian's volume coming through over the top of everyone at a higher level, and then the audience collectively blending together to make this sort of collective laugh. So it, it's sort of this weird patchy noise where laughs come in from different places, seemingly at different moments, and it you you just sort of have to trust your own inner timing to an extent.
1: I I would have felt comfortable doing that during the first couple weeks of the quarantine lockdown but now i i kind of like when i listen to my acts i've got recordings from before it's it's very difficult to kind of go from a sense memory of doing a show in front of an audience that's over a couple months old you know
0: it, it is weird i'm still worried about even doing those zoom shows because i'm not you know i'm just i'm not doing nearly as much stage time and it is different I am worried about will I remember my act? Will I remember? I've already had a moment in a Zoom show a few weeks ago where I got halfway through a joke and realised, oh, I'm saying this. I'm saying all the words wrong now. (laughs) Uh, uh, (laughs) So I, I don't know. It it, is odd, but it just it feels like at least of a bit of a workout, and it. I think that I think what's going to happen is as things go back to some semblance of normal, there will be. i think they're going to start doing sort of zoom hybrid shows where we'll go and do a comedy club but they'll also stream it to people who maybe aren't in a medical place where they can be in public yet or are living further afield or you know i think i think there'll be things like that going on where and also they won't be able to fill the clubs as much at first um
1: right Well, the last place I worked just prior to the lockdown, I mean, I flew home on March 16th from Acme in Minneapolis. And it was weird because there was a lot of fear talk about the pandemic then. And then I flew home on the 16th. My last show was the 15th. L.A. Lockdown on the 17th. um, And uh, they first started doing Zoom shows where it was you buy your ticket you go and meet on Zoom, and then they turn a few people's mics on so you can hear the audience. And every the com- comedians all performed from their homes. And then they said, okay, now we're going to change it because the quarantine is lifting a little bit. We're going to have the comedians come to the club, but no audience at the club. But all the comedians will be on stage at the comedy club. And then just today I got an email from them that said, okay, now we're doing it where <laughs> the comedians come to the comedy club, and we're going to have the trusted laughers at the club you know you're going to be we're going to have like a 25 percent capacity crowd at the club that is laughing and then as many people as 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 want to buy a ticket to come on zoom as well
0: i think that's what's going to happen more and more but it'll be odd but
1: well for the comedian it'll be like you're doing a live show in front of an audience i mean i if i could do all of my shows at the comedy and magic club
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: <laughs> you know, in front of that live audience and then they would be available online, uh, that would be a dream come true.
0: Yeah, and e- even, you know, a, a club as good as that, even if even if it is only allowed to be at 25% capacity, it'll still feel decent. It'll f- feel good.
1: Well, 25% capacity if and they they're probably going to be dedicated. You figure it in any comedy club, you got 25% of the people are dead wood.
2: Right. Yeah, yeah,
1: you know, and and some small percentage of the people are actually not good for the show.
2: So
1: twenty five percent capacity. If they're a hundred percent on board, that that's enough.
0: That's actually that, that's incredibly true. Yeah, they, 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 you're not going to sort of get. God, can you imagine if you? Okay, we're 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 only at twenty five percent capacity, but they are all one office party and none of them oh, want to God. be there. <laughs> just...
1: Well no, that's the nightmare of the Zoom show, but I guess the like all live comedy shows, the uh, there's nobody's recording the Zoom show unless they're holding up a camera to the to their yeah, you... I mean if you're watching that and then complaining that you've already seen somebody's act, well you cheated yourself. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's not that's not their fault. That's you did that.
2: <laughs> I think it's fascinating that they're actually trying to recruit what the club knows to be their best laughers because Those people are also aware, presumably, that's why they were recruited. So there's this positive feedback cycle in that they have to deliver laughs or they might not get invited back and they'd be relegated to the Zoom at home viewing audience, which they don't want to be in. So like their laughs will keep them coming, will keep them out of their house sort of, right?
1: I, yeah, well, I don't know. It's easy on the Zoom meeting to say, hey, are you a good laugher? Because people know, hey, I laugh, or I'm I'm a quiet laugher. I'm personally, comedians aren't... You don't want them in your Zoom-enabled Zoom <laughs> yeah. audience because their laughs are going to be weird. But, <laughs> you know, people do know if they laugh out... Are you a laugh-out-loud person or are you a laugh-to-yourself person, you know?
0: Yeah, because I, I wonder if there's been studies on... Um, I know we, we've, got, we've had a few people on the show uh, talking about sort of, we've had a few psychologists, including the psychology of laughing and humour but I wonder if there's studies uh, in terms of uh, how contagious a laugh has to be before it can influence a crowd and how many laughs on average because we, we know as comics that a few good laughers in a few key physical locations in the room can change a show
1: Yeah, well, it can ignite the crowd. I feel like that's the thing with stand-up. It's really built for the performer and the audience in the room. Even if you're watching a Netflix special, which is basically the same as a Zoom comedy show to the person who's watching it who doesn't have their mic turned on, you're watching other people watch a show. You're not actually involved in the making of what's happening. Um, But I always say to people, look, if you want to see a better comedy show, laugh louder. Right. <laughs> the comedians definitely get better the more the better they're doing the better you're doing the more relaxed you are the more time you take the more likely you are to kind of add it, embellishments very
0: true and then and it, it, it does catch on I, sophie scott is the professor who um we had on the show a while back who who actually sort of does research into what parts of the brain causes laughing and that kind of thing but yeah it 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 is, once, if you can break down that self consciousness at first, and and sometimes just a couple of little key people concede that. Or, or, um, also, I think we all know as comics, if you're watching a friend, how easy it can be to start an applause break as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, yeah, with laughter, I feel like there's, there's. There's the two things that seem to be almost opposite of each other because do you want anonymity? you you laugh out loud when you feel like it's dark and nobody knows that it's you laughing right. And then the more people that are there are laughing around you, the better that anonymity actually is, you know, which is like you're, you're anonymous, but you're in a crowd of other people who are doing what you're doing, so you want it dark so people don't feel like they're singled out, but then you want everybody laughing so that people with their laugh is not distinctive, and you know they're not being singled out for enjoying themselves more than anybody else, although that's that's a funny thing that happens at comedy shows, too.
0: Yeah. Um, are you, as well, you're not doing Zoom shows. Are you, you're still doing your your podcast, Jake This, right?
1: I'm doing my podcast, which has kind of transformed a little bit, the Jake This podcast, because uh, I've been doing a daily live, a daily briefing live weekdays at 3 p.m. California time on, fa- it's simulcast Facebook, YouTube, and Periscope when I can get the stupid camera thing to work. <laughs> um, and then I take, strip the audio off that and put it on uh, on the podcast, so that's what I've been doing during the pandemic, and and so my wife and I go on live, and we've got a kind of a dedicated audience now. So they ask us things in the comments, and we've prepared some stuff, and that's just sort of a, a kind of a lighthearted way to spend a half hour if you if you're available on, and you come on Facebook, you you're participating in it, and if you're just watching it somewhere else, it's like something to do.
0: See that so, that is that is pretty similar. to what a lot of the Zoom gigs are. Whenever I've done one, I've I've. I've got into the habit now increasingly of trying to interact with the comments and making it feel more like a live streaming show rather than a comedy gig where I'm just doing my act at people.
1: Yeah. Well, that's what I feel like when I, when I was talking to people about these the zoom shows it seemed like at first they were like well we want to do a show where we introduce you and you do 15 minutes of your material and i kind of feel like hey that's material that i know works in a comedy club but the zoom show or online it feels more like a a combination between crowd work which is what we're talking about when you're interacting with people on in the comments and panel which is what i get out of having it be my wife and i
0: right totally how much when you did, how much of the time when you did Letterman, would you, like, would you go, would you then do the couch? I feel like you sort of, most of the Letterman sets I've seen, you just, you sort of go on and then smash it in front of the camera and then say goodnight.
1: Yeah, most of it, most of it was, uh, all. uh all my appearances on Letterman were stand-up. And then sometimes there was afterwards a little bit of sofa time, as my friend called it. But uh, but that sort of changed because and the, and the reason for that would be, A, he li- likes you, but B, there's time in the show. So when he was at when Dave was on NBC, um, before it was a late show it was called late night on nbc and then the comedians i think usually went on third which was super late at night and often there would be an extra minute or two at the end of the show and so you would come over and sit down and talk but then once he went to cbs they would have the comedians or at least when i was on i would usually go on second and then there'd be a band on at the end of the show so they they didn't feel like they could take the extra time to talk because they needed that time for the oh, band. Yeah. And so um, so there was less of that sofa time then. I did Conan a few times where it was just me going on and, and talking to him. But that was when he was at NBC before he's moved to gotcha. where he is now.
0: So, Jake, before we get deep into the stories, we like to ask our guests um, this little question. Um, what, if anything, is your background in science and that's ranged wildly from classes you took and liked out or hated as a kid to blowing well, stuff up in the woods with your
1: friends. Alright. Um, I was a pretty big math science nerd. I mean when nice. I was in high school I was on the math team. Like we would oh. we would get on a school bus on a Saturday and go to another high school to take math tests competitively <laughs> against other kids. So
2: Okay. That's that, the first... I've done this. I've done this as well. It's very—that's
1: uh... some deep nerd. That's some deep nerd stuff right there. And then, uh, you know, I took and so I had calculus when I was in high school, and I took the physics and chemistry. And when I went to college, uh, originally I wanted to be a veterinarian, which is a science career. Yeah. And then I switched to chemical engineering. So I was a chemical chemical engineer for two years in college, and then I switched to journalism and, and dropped out. But I was pretty heavy science, and I was valedictorian in my high school, so I was, I was, damn. I switched from the, which, the, the, the logic brain to the, to the creative brain or some uh, some hybrid of that I can't remember which one is the left one and the right one now that's where I'm at in my journey it's from the one op- side
2: it's like the opposite of what you think right like left-handed people are using the right side of their brain more which is the creative I always remember it because if you're left-handed you're creative and it's the opposite so then the right side is but I think even that's been a little bit debunked but in general I think left yeah. is analytical right. right's creative
1: yeah yeah okay well then i um, well, I'm whatever you think I am. Sure.
2: <laughs> Are you left-handed? Is the question.
1: No, I'm right-handed. Uh, I am so you're, right-handed.
2: You're doomed to be just a
1: <laughs> yeah. uncreative. Sorry. Curse. Sorry to I'm tell cursed. you
2: this. Four decades into your comedy career, but uh, yeah.
1: it's trouble. Well, I knew. I haven't really felt it until now. But this this uh, <laughs> this pandemic has really kind of. The, this is now where I've realized if I had only been using my left hand this whole time, I would have yeah. been ready for this. <laughs>
2: By the um, way, I don't. Matt, you didn't. You didn't get Comedy Central in the UK in the early days, right?
0: No, I didn't. There, there was. Um, we had a s- kind of sister channel, the Paramount Comedy Channel. Paramount, and also being a Viacom co- company, and then it became Comedy Central UK about ten years ago. Oh, okay. And I'm a little worried because the cat is currently walking. It's basically marching through the recording equipment.
2: Oh no, Doug.
0: <laughs> just Doug gently picking over. Okay, I'm gonna have to. I hadn't realised he was. I'm, I'm in the bedroom right now, so Holly can be doing stuff in the other, in the rest of the apartment and i hadn't realized that doug had been sleeping under the bed for the first 20 minutes of this podcast so now I, he just suddenly emerged and has wants and now wants to play with cable so i'm just gonna let him out sorry a second
2: okay sure jake i will continue what i was gonna say which is i was a huge fan of the early days of the post uh, ha and comedy yeah, I, channel merger oh you're back already
0: we, yeah yeah we're, we're back.
2: Um, I was just flattering our guest And I was going to say that uh, I, I was a huge fan of of yours like in those in, like 90, 91 on Comedy Central when like the entire network was just stand up shows you know
1: yeah um, it was it was that, those were kind of crazy times. well Matt, you know Alan Havey, right? He used to have his show at the early yeah. days of Comedy Central. that was so much fun to do that show, and the Higgins Boys and Gruber had a really hilarious show in the early days. And then mm-hmm. did you do Provenza's
0: one as well? You must have done that at one Oh, time yeah, yeah,
1: comics only, yep.
2: And then your Dr. Katz is also my favorite Dr. Katz, I believe, with the hot dogs with little white balls. Oh, wow. Man,
1: I haven't <laughs> thought about Dr. Katz in a long time.
2: <sighs> yeah, we had him at Bridgetown, I think, uh, in 2015 or 16 to do a live Dr. Katz in Portland.
1: Yeah, well, I'm, I met uh, I met him before he was doing Dr.
2: Katz when, it was, uh, when he was a stand-up. I'd was love it? to see early Jonathan Katz stand up. I'm sure it's as it was as dry as you'd it expect. It was pretty whereas.
1: awesome and deadpan, and uh, you know, as 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 you know, comedy clubs can be—you <laughs> can have varying degrees of people paying attention or interested or polite. And uh, yes, so I think he and I had done a couple of shows that were just weird.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna. I know we we're generally doing, we're generally trying to pick stories that are not uh, coronavirus related, uh, science stories. Just pick stories from the rest of the world of science. But there is one every so often, every couple of weeks, there is one that creeps in there because I think it's sort of a, a particularly interesting or so useful or valuable story. And I I've just linked to it in the if you look on the. If, if I click on that, will... is that
1: going to disturb the whole?
0: That should no. It should just click open away. it in another tab. That but... opens
1: up another tab. Oh my god! So we're doing the show and we're looking to another thing. Yeah, I mean, you
0: don't have to. I just thought I'd put. Oh, that are there you as kidding me? I feel case... like I
1: just went to Mars. <laughs> I'm accepting cookies, which I don't usually do. I'm going to do that.
0: Oh yeah, because it's a UK. This is the. This story is relatively widely reported. I'm going for the New Scientist. Mm-hmm. Uh, link and that's a uk website so it has all the cookie rules that pop up but um i know a lot of you uh at home you know it's just worrying times with the coronavirus with the covid19 and you are wondering how to treat it and you're thinking to yourself should i drink the health tonic that's being promoted by the president of madagascar Uh uh-huh uh and the answer is no apparently oh. Oh, I'm sorry everyone but the World Health Organization has said do not listen to the president of Madagascar uh, the COVID organics drink which is made of wormwood and herbs
1: oh isn't uh, wormwood isn't that what uh, absinthe yeah it's absinthe, yeah, made out of
0: I think it is I believe mm. sweet wormwood though it says Art- Artemisia annua I don't know whether that's a different strain of wormwood to the one that is says...
1: what's the six pack of this stuff go for <laughs> Where do you click to find that out? I feel like, look, I don't care if it actually cures COVID nineteen. If it's less than the price of sure you know, Coke, yeah, a cola, if it's t- if it's then tasty. I'm gonna I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna, <laughs> I mean, why not? If it's just a beverage, like hey, if they said Snapple cures the COVID nineteen, I would be like, oh, well, I like Snapple. <laughs>
2: And if I'm already making my daily trip to the local Madagascarian bodega, I might as well pick this up,
1: right? Yeah. Well, am I going to get a Madagascar or a kombucha? They make a kombucha? Man, then that's, you, that cures everything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you get your gut biome right, and you can just poop all, all of this out.
2: That's you the know. thing, Yeah
1: that's my understanding i'm not a doctor I, I, I did drop out of college before that chemical engineering degree but my oh, yeah, sorry we was...
0: should have made that clear right at the beginning of the show we uh, we normally include a disclaimer that our guest isn't is or isn't a doctor
1: although i think we all watched uh, tiger king right and so i really want to find out how to become a doctor of the mystical arts <laughs> oh that guy's got it made doesn't he well, it just feels like a good thing to have. Like you can say that people ha- actually, it's doctor. <laughs> you know, first of all, I, actually, no, I, I'm, I am a doctor. No, not a medical doctor. I'm a doctor of the mystical arts.
0: <laughs> yes. You know, if there's any emergencies on a plane or in any in a crowded restaurant,
1: yeah, is well, there are a we doctor can, here. Yes. We can however, do this, we can do the show online, or I can uh, enter your dreams. How, how do you like? <laughs>
2: And if you choose to go informal, if someone calls you Doctor Johansson, you can say, "Please, my name is Jake. My father is Doctor of the Mystical Hearts Johansson." <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I actually like the uh, I like the combination of Doctor and Barber, so I would think I would be Doctor <laughs> Jake as opposed to Doctor Johansson. I like to be Doctor Jake. Yeah, like Mister Mister Jake. Hairstyle. This hairstyle was done by Mr. Jake.
2: <laughs> or Body by Mr. Jake. I remember, anybody remember Body by Jake? I do.
1: Well, if your name is Jake, then you, and you, I, er, er, in my age group, you've gone through several of. There's always a more famous Jake than you. And, oh. You know, so there was. First, first, it was Jake and the Fat Man. Where's the Fat Man? Oh, yeah. I used to get people asking me, where's the Fat Man all the time? Because there was <laughs> a TV show called man. Jake and the Fat Man. Yeah. Then after that, it was Body by Jake. You know, and that guy's name was Jake Steinfeld, so it was Body by Jake. And then, then somewhere in there, the, the, the famous Jake was Jake Gyllenhaal. And then... Oh. Uh, now there's actually some i had a google alert out for jake johansson which is how i found out that someone named jake johansson in the midwest m- murdered a bunch of people oh, so uh yeah it's uh,
2: spelled anyway. identically hmm? spelled identically that's why the google alert came up and yes
1: yeah Spelled uh, is, that,
2: is that danish with the s-e-n
1: yes i think it is it's danish german it's from the schleswig holstein holstein part of germany that used to be part of denmark this is wow. back in viking times they used to fight about that but uh i'm i'm trying to get down the rabbit hole of where is, is this madagascar drink even available oh, yes. here
2: oh <laughs> yeah so, um
0: it's definitely uh let, let's find out so the president madagascar's president who uh, named um andre uh Radulina, this uh, defended the unproven covid organic drink um telling France 24 it was a preventative and curative remedy and works really well. But Matshido Moete at the WHO regional office for Africa was asked during a press conference whether the WHO had any data or evidence of its efficacy. And she said, no, we do not. Mm. I know, Mm. denied. Um, the, The WHO wanted to see an assessment of its worth, of its effectiveness, And that work could be undertaken by Madagascan scientists. They have offered to support... The World Health Mm. Organization has offered to support the design of a study to look into this product. And they're in discussions with the Madagascan government. She said, we are not discouraging the use of a product, but we would like to advise that it be tested. And here Mm. we go. It was developed by the Malagasy Institute of Applied Research and launched by Rajalina last month. Orders have since been dispatched to several other countries, including Equatorial Guinea... Uh, Guinea-Bissau, or Bissau, rather, uh, Niger and Tanzania doesn't seem to have made it to Los Angeles yet, as far Mm. as I can tell.
1: But Are Niger and Nigeria, are those two different countries? They are. Okay, good. I just wanted to clarify that.
0: Yep. Um, So, uh, the World Health Organization is not discouraging the use of the herbal drink. Oh, good. mm. uh, But it has paid for... Uh, adverts to appear alongside Google searches for Artemisia annua, which lead to a WHO page that says such medicinal plants should be tested for efficacy and negative side effects. Africans deserve to use medicines tested to the same standards as people in the rest of the world.
1: And that's, yeah, uh, that seems yeah. fair. That seems fair.
0: It also says research is underway in Europe to assess the prospects of extracts of a annua, which is the chemical name for this wormwood extract. Sweet wormwood as a treatment against the new coronavirus following initial work in China that showed promise. Okay. I want to find out now whether this Wormwood is the same as the Wormwood in Absinthe, and if so, how much Absinthe you'd be able to neck to get the same...
2: Or is this is this Wormwood what to Absinthe what the murderer Jake Johansson is to our Jake Johansson?
1: Yeah, and if you buy... If you Where are you buying your absinthe? Because I I don't think that it actually has the psych... It's not the psychoactive absinthe of of the Renaissance painter times.
2: Yeah, I think it's just a strong alcohol. I don't think there's any... Yeah, I think
0: you're right. I think it is now closer to just sort of a porno or something like that. Well, so really... And Again, a sea green drink.
1: Yeah, I'm not a scientist, but I feel like any alcoholic beverage is going to make you feel invincible if you administer the proper
2: dosage. <laughs> Trump gives his next press conference he's like I've had 12 shots and I feel great.
1: <laughs> yeah, look, I'm hammered right now and I don't feel like I'm going to die. In fact, I think I'm going to live forever. Yeah. It Not only be- does it cure the coronavirus but it also helps you
0: drive. So now just give me <laughs> yeah. give me my keys and
2: um, yeah, Well, while, while driving ability may go down, driving confidence skyrockets, which is very important. How long do you think it's been since Donald Trump drove a car? I don't I don't think he drives a car. I doubt it also. I can't picture him just working that many limbs independently to do all the pedals and the wheel.
0: And- <laughs> I don't know though cuz occasionally you do see it's like every so often you'll see footage of a photo of the Queen driving, and it always looks really odd, because you're oh. like, why, why are you doing that? But they To just get let to have the other side, little, right? Exactly. They just let have a little buzz around the grounds.
1: Um, yeah, yeah, I'm sure when the Queen's driving, it's in the parking lot or out from the castle to the port's paddock or something.
0: Yeah, which fortunately is around the same area as like cincinnati
2: yeah it's
1: yeah no it's not a
2: short drive <laughs> is. that should be everyone's goal in life is to get to a point when all you're driving is uh, golf carts on the grounds of your manse
0: well i i've done i did a couple of gigs last year that were in sort of retirement communities that's if that just to give you an idea of
1: my career but it's um no listen to give you an idea of my career I've been trying to figure out who books those <laughs>
0: <laughs> but they um it, it, they are they're sort of gigs where you know sort of not sort of retirement homes where everyone's just living in the same building like not sort of no cars, no but it's, like sort it's of these communities right that have I, all I, these I facilities and they drive around and in these sort of souped up pimped up golf carts like there's a there's a sort of pecking order according to how fancy your golf cart is that you use to drive around
1: Mm. yeah i've heard about those kind of communities. i i love that i'm ready for us all to move to some place like that or or i feel like we're just we're very close to just uh, self-driving cars that circulate out on the street so what you do is you buy you buy a car but then it's out there working as a self-driving car for other people. So it's your car, but it's out earning you money during the day. And then you just make an appointment. Like I'd like to go to the comedy club tonight. So, you know, book yourself out for me at that time. Well,
0: I think you, I think you will eventually just get more and more to the point where you're just sort of either renting it by the hour or just have a subscription service where you get use of a car. So like the same way, almost no one buys albums these days. You, everyone just subscribes to pandora or spotify or one of those and you just
2: yeah i think if if there is a time when when jake's model of you own it but you let others use it when you're not using it if that exists i think that'll be a brief window in the technological progression until it's like no one owns unless you're a car fan like someone else said this but uh you know in in 30 years if you own a car it'll be the same reason someone owns a horse today because you just love cars
1: well, no, I'm saying you you'd own it as a business. Like in in New York City, you have to buy a taxicab medallion in order right. to operate a taxi. That that's how they used to limit the supply of those. And then now you have a car, but why let your car sit in the driveway? You know, it's 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 well, the Airbnb. S- it's the Airbnb of cars. <laughs>
2: Right, but I'm saying in 30 years, we won't have driveways. You will never be garaging your car because it'll be silly to even have one, and a huge company, or many companies, will own all of them, and you will have a subscription with them, and no individual can compete with them if they put their own car in the pool. Or there'd be no reason to buy. You wouldn't be able to get the rates that those companies can get for their cars. Like You just won't have a car unless you are unless you're a like car King guy, Leno like a horse, a horse guy it. today.
1: Yeah. All right, but my understanding of the w- reason that, uber works in the until now until the global pandemic was that they get they don't have to buy all the taxi cabs they get people to drive around their own cars and so this is the version of that it's like hey if i'm a company and i want to open the self-driving car car service thing why should i buy all the cars if i can get everybody else to buy the cars and i just have the software that links oh, yeah. them all together I, and I books think, the jobs so i would say
2: i think get- it will exist for a while i was just saying i think it'll be quick to go from that to the model one step beyond that which is just yeah but i think you're right
0: it will that? be it will be that at first and because that's what because uber even took that extra step where at first, they were just going, hey, do you have a car that you are not using all the t- Why don't you drive for us and make more use of your car? And then they started getting into the actual financing. car car right. financing business. Yeah, so now they're like, oh, you don't have a car? Why don't we help you get a car? But we'll still put all of the cost and responsibility onto you, and we're acting this I- weird intermediary. W- um, and I think, I think you're right, Jake, where there will be a period where they will try and make that happen to remove as much as possible of the initial costs from them and put it onto other people and yeah. then it'll hit this critical mass where they will just where they will have through the financing deals they'll have enough use of all of the cars and then maybe start to absorb it into their own stock but yeah if they can if they can exist without physically because cars suck to own from a big oh, they, yeah. they, they just the second you buy one they lose they're just losing
1: money machines they're just
0: depreciation factories
1: yeah, I'm not a you're, I'm not a car guy. The Tesla seems exciting to me, but the mm-hmm. regular just having to wash it. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I go out to go somewhere in the car, and it's just like, oh god, it's dirty. Now I got to wash it, or I'm driving around this terrible. But I just I can't. I don't like washing the car, so I'm not washing the car. I don't yep. like having to go put gas in it and then forget about it when things start going wrong, and you got to fix things. Ugh. Yeah,
2: like a yeah. whole day is shot because of a some valve or something. Yeah, that's...
0: Well, while we are talking about Tesla, we should probably talk about uh, Elon Musk's How other great the
2: stock's doing for me right now. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> is it? It just hit an all-time high today. Oh, well, well that's great.
0: Do you think you cuz do you think the stock that you bought in Tesla is doing better because of their cause of Elon Musk's success in another field in that he successfully didn't kill two men on live TV?
2: That was very good of him. A different company, but I'm sure it, it has some impact. If the opposite had happened, I'm sure there would be repercussions in all of his companies. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Jake. Did you watch the um the SpaceX man flight launch?
1: No, last week? I'm a big I'm a big space fan, but I didn't watch that. I'm an El- I'm an Elon Musk. But it was funny when you were talking about your cat. Uh, my friend was just saying that he had just gotten two cats, and he's such a big space fan that he was going to name them Bob and Doug. <laughs> Because that's the names of the two yeah. astronauts.
2: And he loves Strange Brew, obviously.
1: <laughs> yeah. Bob
2: and Doug. I love that that's who he sent into Bob and Doug McKenzie into space. But, um,
0: it was, I mean, it was pretty cool to watch. Congratulations to all. I, it, I'd i say more congratulations to Elon, Elon's employees rather than the, uh, or Elon himself, who I don't think was doing the physical calculations and the testing. But that's, um,. Uh, yeah, it it is a remarkable achievement. It was pretty cool to watch the launch live. I haven't l- watched i lo- I don't think I'd actually watched a launch live ever, including the one that hor- that traumatized every
2: American school kid in the eighties. Oh
1: my god! Yeah, that one was that was that was a rough one,
2: especially uh, because te- a teacher was on it, so every school kid got to see it because of that. Yeah.
1: Oh, and that one that was. Unlike
2: after September
1: 11th, where they kind of said, "Okay, we're not going to show this over and over again," <laughs> that Challenger footage, they just kept showing it over and over again. Yep. And, uh, that, was, that was a rough one.
2: Sorry, Matt. Did you have? Did you have an actual SpaceX article? I forgot. Or we I didn't have an article there.
0: loaded. I was. I was just. Oh. Uh, I mean, I could. They're, they're up there now for. I'm not sure how long they're going to be up there for it. When I looked up the original mission. They are going to stay up there for something like, it was between 30 and 90 days, depending on, I don't know, Uh they're hanging out there and then they're running tests, then they're going to be coming back again.
2: And everything about this is also, because I mean, Russia also had the advantage or has the advantage, which is who we used to use to go up to, this, to the ISS with their Soyuz um they also have a ton of acreage for landing are we going to do have you heard anything about whether there's a more precision landing plan than if it's going to be on land or water when they come back um or is that i don't know
0: i really should have had this all loaded up before i I know know i'm asking
2: you if you
1: (laughs) well they 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 went up in some kind of capsule right and the capsule attaches to the to the space station so when they come back they'll come back in that capsule right
2: right but i'm saying w- when we've used russia they also have a ton of acreage and from our we had we had chris hadfield who was a former um, commander of the iss
1: yeah i, I know think who he is.
2: on the yeah and he talked about how yeah it's these days i believe most people coming back land on ground with you know obviously parachutes but still it's kind of a rough landing but they have tons of space to aim for like right? russia is I believe, much bigger acreage-wise than the U.S. And I'm wondering if now that we're not using Russia and we're this is all American, are we doing uh, ground landings within the U.S. or is it going to be a water landing or what the... And again, I, said, I don't know why I'm asking people yeah, who Matt, don't have the answer instead of Googling it.
1: Man, Well, I've been trying to
2: Google it, but uh, I, I, I... SpaceX plan for landing. It's so, easy. You know, I've,
1: got, I've
0: got a digitaltrends.com article up. Okay. So they will be... They're going to be doing a bunch of experiments while they're up there to test how human physiology responds to long duration life in microgravity and test life support technologies vital for human exploration of deep space but then they'll be monitoring the spacecraft the main thing they'll be doing is monitoring the crew the the capsules the spacecraft's performance in space as well as gearing up for their return um they are it's set to last between one and three months there we go the period depends mainly on the readiness of the next commercial crew launch, and also on the Crew Dragon. That's the name of the capsule's performance in space. At the end of the mission, it will autonomously undock with um, the up from the ISS, and it'll re-enter the atmosphere. It'll splash down just off of Florida's Atlantic coast.
2: Oh, okay. And oh, it'll that's be met nice. By,
0: yeah, so it's going to be a water landing, as we met by SpaceX's Go Navigator recovery vessel, and transported back to Cape Canaveral.
2: I kind of figured if they can do that kind of precision relanding of the first stage of the rocket, they've probably gotten good at narrowing the um, point of re-entry for the crew capsule also. Uh,
0: yeah, it's... I, th- I think, yeah, the, the more stuff that they can um, get to the point of being able to uh, land and... Yeah, because once once it hits the water, I think it's done, right? Like, anything that sort of lands, splashes in the water is... No more.
2: Uh, yeah, mean? good question. Like, the actual cops capsule probably doesn't get reused. I don't know, but I'm guessing no.
1: Yeah, well, they, I think... They, what, what... But they're going to re... They reused that at engine stage.
2: Right, right. But it never got dunked in the water, this is what we're wondering about, whether that's uh, a deal-breaker. Yeah, breaker no, it says you've...
1: first... Oh. No, I guess no, it says it makes a controlled landing. Yeah.
2: The crew capsule. No, the f- the first stage... Oh, right, yeah, that that one landed really precisely this time, almost almost dead on center in that target, in that floating barge ship, whatever you call it.
0: Yeah, it's getting remarkably accurate.
1: Also, this thing, really this whole thing is weird to me. It, this may be evidence that, we're, that this is all a computer simulation, <laughs> which I, mean, I would I be that's... fine with. If If we're in a computer simulation, I'm fine with that. I just would like us to change the channel. I'm not crazy about what's going on right now. <laughs>
2: That's the thing. You're right. Yeah. It doesn't really affect our lives if we are unless yeah, there's like, some who, kind of option.
1: Who, who's whoever's got the remote? Let's 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 surf around Oof. a little bit for
2: something better. I, I'm starting to think, Matt, do you remember like five years ago we had Rick Rosner on? Yes. World's second highest IQ. Um and he has this theory that uh, with every coming decade in this century, things will get that percentage weirder. He's like, like 2020, things are going to be like 20% weird. 2050, things are going to be like 50% weird. And I'm like, we're way, we're way past 20% weird. But um, his prediction is definitely coming true. Things are um, falling apart at the seams.
0: While we're talking about weird stuff, there is a story and also connects to our earlier wormwood studies that we were discussing of um, in the first half of the show. But Justin Broad sent in a story that hormones may make men and women experience alcohol differently.
1: That's what it is. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So this is the, the this is the test to see who's ready to go with some kind of sexist joke right now because I don't <laughs> I don't think I want to jump in on this.
2: <laughs> I don't have one ready.
1: So I feel a little bit scared. I, um,
0: I, I think yeah I think we can discuss this in a responsible and all
1: right so uh, non sexist. Men want to fight, and women want to cry.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's not sexist, right? Um,
2: No, that's a science fact, yeah.
0: So, men and women have strikingly different patterns of alcohol use and suffer varying consequences of excessive drinking. This story is on inverse.com. Women drink less than men, but are more likely to suffer bodily harm and illness related to alcohol. In a new study in mice, researchers uncovered a key mechanism driving this puzzling gender imbalance, fluctuating estrogen or oestrogen if you are a Brit. Mm. We have different hormones in the UK. <laughs> and, you, you know, you visited the UK, you're aware of the, the, the different hormonal levels.
1: Mm. Yes, I think I've witnessed it in action.
0: <laughs> the sex hormone oestrogen can make drinking alcohol more rewarding to female mice over males, report scientists. Mm. Meanwhile yeah reducing certain estrogen receptors in the brain can diminish binge drinking behavior in female and not male mice oh. this study was published in the journal of neuroscience and builds on a growing body of research suggesting hormonal differences may explain why for women problematic drinking can spiral into severe drinking surely Wait, that can for- happen for men as well that's um,
2: what.
1: yeah well, yeah. Do you, how many movies do you see about sad, alcoholic men? You don't really see as many movies about sad, alcoholic ladies. Uh,
2: I beg to differ. What about When a Man Loves a Woman? I uh, didn't see it. I didn't either, but I think that's what it's about. <laughs> I, think it's about Me- I think Meg Ryan and Andy Garcia, I think
1: Meg is the drunken man. Wow, I've this is podcasting it. at its finest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's have a conversation a, a about things that we don't know anything yeah. about. This let's is my favorite. Let's go around
0: in a circle and each guess what we think might happen in the film. <laughs> Um, I'm wondering whether the imbalance of sad alcoholic men in films to sad alcoholic uh, women in films might be because more movies that are produced are written by sad alcoholic men.
1: Well, true. Uh, It's sexism. Yeah, it's sexism. But I'm saying more movies about sad alcoholic ladies. I'm up for that. Um, But it sounds like they're going to be really sad.
2: Yeah, I think that is what I'm, I'm looking at the Wikipedia for When a Man Loves a Woman. Yes, Meg Ryan is an alcoholic mother, and that is the, the crux of the plot.
1: A lot of times before things fall apart, the sad alcoholic man movies, there, there's some fighting or some ridiculous behavior, you know, like hangover type, the movie Hangover. Right. Yep. Yeah.
0: So. so it says women more rapidly transition from problematic alcohol drinking to having an alcohol use disorder and to suffer from negative health effects of alcohol, uh, such as increased cancer risk, liver damage, heart disease, and brain damage. This is uh, Amy Lasek, who's a psychiatrist at the University of Illinois, who's one of the authors of the paper speaking there. Uh, Lasek spent years researching the neurobiological basis for sex differences in drug abuse, and continues, if alcohol drinking is higher during times when estrogen levels are elevated, this can contribute to both the health risks of alcohol taking And increase the likelihood of developing severe alcohol drinking problems. Hmm. While the new new study was conducted in mice, the findings may lead to breakthrough sex-based treatments for alcohol use disorder in humans, say the researchers. Apparently, the estrogen has potent effects on the dopamine system and increases the vulnerability of females to develop addiction to substances like alcohol. Dopamine, often called the feel-good neurotransmitter, carries information between brain cells and helps regulate mo- mood, motivation, and reward. Right, that's the same thing that dopamine is the same thing we chase in our jobs constantly. The, the thing we're lacking right now because there's not rooms full of people laughing and applauding
1: at us. Yes, I would. There was a... We should start a business where you just call people up and tell them that you think they're doing a good job.
0: (laughs) Yes, that's all we need. That's all I needed right now. The first Zoom gig that I did about two weeks into the lockdown, I was... I hadn't realized how annoying I was being and how irritated I... I was... I was... I was stressed and irritated and I was annoying Holly... And then I did that one gig, and afterwards I just, went, oh, that's that's what that it was. Was it?
1: Yeah, the external validation.
0: That's exactly. And even though it was an, a relatively unsatisfying gig, and it that got ruined by a troll at the end, it's still like just just, just doing it. Uh, yeah, it was. I, I've talked about it on the show before, but it was it was before people knew how to lock down their Zoom security settings, and it it got bombed by a racist troll. Oh. But even with that, even with being semi ruined by the digital version of a heckler, it still—it was—it still gave
2: me my fix. It's like pizza, as they say, right? There's no bad pizza, you mean? There's or no also bad. that it's There's worse no during speech. COVID. Um, no. Yeah, but yeah, even, even when it's bad, it's good. Sure.
0: Even when even when it's with a racist, it's still.
1: How did the guy get in there? Sorry, now I don't know if this is of interest to the podcast listener, but uh, how did the. Bomber, he paid for a ticket and then got... No, it into- this
0: was, this again, this was um, when everyone was just working out different ways of doing it. And this was a show that was free entry and payment was on a sort of voluntary tips basis. Yeah, so, I think um, I'm going to
1: do one of those on Saturday because my friend asked me to do it, but I'm skeptical of that.
0: Well, they're, again, they're they're much better now that everyone has worked out how to turn off the different permissions like you you've now people have now worked out you don't instantly let everyone have access to sound and you also don't let anyone except for the admins have access to screen sharing which was what went wrong oh oh so someone yeah, shared
2: a screen with visual things on it, I it yeah this guy took over like, the
0: screen and then started scrolling racial slurs on the screen and
2: oh at which point it
0: was like all right show's over everyone
1: what kind of terrible... Oh, God. It just, you know, Human it's, beings.
0: it's somewhere between, a, you know, a genuine, horrendous sort of alt-right racist and just a bored, idiot teenager. And, you know, that. not that those are mutually exclusive groups. There's definitely a, a large overlap, and somewhere in the middle of that Venn diagram is what uh but i don't know which side of the
1: to both of those groups i would just say look all you got to do is sign up and then you can go on stage and say all that stupid stuff you want yep you're you know you that's this this stand up comedy is built for bored teenagers
0: <laughs> it's uh yeah no one really No one really wants to do that. Like, the heckler in the audience never really wants to sign up and do a five at their open, on the Monday night open, mic. Yeah, I get it. I get it. um, So, uh, estrogen influences the dopamine system in two ways. The hormone can make neurons sensitive to alcohol and release more dopamine, and high estrogen levels are also associated with upped alcohol consumption and binge drinking. Until now, researchers hadn't pointed out, pinpointed exactly which receptors in the brain are pivotal to this process. To answer the question, Lasek and her team examined male and female mice and activated the estrogen receptors in uh, uh, their ventral tegmental area, VTA, which is the brain region involved in drug reward and reinforcement. Then they tracked how the activation influenced alcohol's effects on the brain. Active yeah, this is this is getting really into the weeds of the specific uh, neurology. Co- oh. yeah, if you want to confused. experiment on mice at home, I don't know.
1: It, it, still many- s- it still says that men are more than twice as likely
2: than women to binge drink, though. Yeah, that's it's counterintuitive given this study, right?
0: But it, it, I think it's the. It looks like it's that it's that tipping point from binge drinking to alcohol disorder i think that's what they're saying is that binge drinking is according to this article a pattern of drinking that brings a person's blood alcohol concentration to over 0.08 grams per deciliter which happens when men consume five or more drinks or women consume four or more drinks in about two hours approximately and men are more um but the yeah Over the past 10 years, rates of alcohol use disorder have increased in women by 84%, relative to only a 35% increase in men. And a targeted sex-based approach could be helpful to treating this alcohol use disorder. There are drugs that block the estrogen receptors called Selective Estrogen Receptor Modulators, or CIRMs, that are used for breast cancer treatment. But they do have side effects, like hot flashes, fatigue, and mood swings. So that might not be the right option. Yeah, that's not going to be the right option to treat alcohol drinking in itself, right? You just oh, we're now going to make you feel worse about yourself. We're going to basically put you through menopause.
2: Yeah, that's yeah. By the way, speaking of debunked um COVID cures, I just was googling to see if there are stats on alcohol just trends during COVID times and the World Health Health Organization does have a dedicated um section of their site to tell you that alcohol does not protect against COVID-19, in case you were wondering.
1: <laughs> no. Well, I mean, in terms of the president's uh, idea about uh, drinking disinfectants, I think a lot of people <laughs> were like, I'm already doing that. It's a version.
2: Yep. Yeah, yeah.
1: But yeah, it doesn't work. It, doesn't
0: it does work. need to be over 62%, I think, for uh, alcohol to be sufficiently disinfecting
1: right so if you have anything else in your stomach you're not you can't well yeah it's not going to happen you don't want to be
2: doing that and it's ethyl not methyl right which one's the drinkable one I forgot
0: Uh, ethanol is the alcohol that is in drinks
2: and methanol is the one in rubbing alcohol
0: yes methanol has one fewer carbon atom per molecule
2: look who's remembering their organic chemistry I
1: am yeah look at you guys you're sciencing it up
0: yeah, I remember it's yeah. Uh, the 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 M group, the meth group, is the one carbon, then the eth group is the two, and then I think it's the, the the prop uh the prop is three, and then but is four. So like propane and butane. Mm. I did,
2: did you take that in high school or in whatever yeah. you call high school or? Um... Yeah,
1: it was that was A level chemistry. It seems like I remember really? some Mechanic. of that from organic chemistry, but uh, yeah, it's been a long time
2: i thought that wasn't a standard part of any high school i thought that was something you always waited until college for for some reason
0: i don't know but we've discussed before about how in britain you specialize quicker at school we um yeah by the time i was 17 i wasn't doing any art subjects i was just doing math physics chemistry that's it
1: what happened matt
0: I know. Well, same deal as you. I went all the way through a a degree in mathematics and I've gone to, and now I dance around on stage for a living. or at least used to.
1: With me, it was the field trip to the um, oil refinery. (laughs) It was like, this is where you're going to be working. I was like, oh, I I didn't realize this. (laughs) I didn't realize I was going to be spending the rest of my life at an oil refinery. No, thank you
2: yeah you think you're going into a career of the mind, and then you find out that there is the meat space part of it that might not be the most fun
1: yeah you're a scientist, but you're at a terrible smelly smoke belching dangerous <laughs> explosive place like mm.
2: yeah and in the last the last year of my engineering career, two thousand and five, I was in all all the twenty something engineers at this company they hired pretty much all single men out of college because they knew they weren't attached with you know, families and stuff. So they could just drop a ticket um, to Asia on your desk on Friday and the next day you're flying there for a week or two to put out some fire that you don't even know what, what, the, what the problem is. You You didn't create the code that's being mucked with. Like, you're just the token person from headquarters they send over there and um once you're there you're subject to whatever the standards of work are in whatever country you're in so when i was in like gumi in the middle of south korea lg's headquarters everyone just works until midnight or 1 a.m in these windowless rooms and they all smoke cigarettes all around you and uh like i I was trying to debug code i didn't right and didn't understand and there are people standing over my shoulder smoking cigarettes into my face and oh my god thinking i'm gonna think i'm gonna solve this problem when i'm really just trying to stall long enough that i can like write down what the problem is and email headquarters and then hope that when i wake up in the morning headquarters will have sent me a solution <laughs> Cut but everything i'm wearing yeah. reeks of cigarettes I'm like this isn't what engineering is supposed to be is it uh, i i guess it is i don't know
0: you thought it was gonna be like real genius all the time and it's, it's just like being coughed on by a-
2: yeah no just in this, oh, this this just dystopian. It was like something out of Brazil. The corporate, uh, like LG's headquarters are the most tragic. Everyone goes to the cafeteria and just gets these trays full of slop. And there are all these um, like Big Brother-esque <laughs> banners everywhere. They're like, world number one in flat panel by 2007. Like all these just like, there's no individual. It's all the group. Everyone's dressed yeah. in the same drab uniforms. Everyone lives in this, it's a shitty factory town, Gumi. It's not like it's Seoul or something. It's the middle of the country. It, it's it's awful. Sorry if you live in Gumi, South Korea. I don't mean to insult. How many people are dropping hometown? out of college right now <laughs> <Yes>. listening <laughs> to this, like, Mo? I'm i got to
0: get into this that. comedy lock. It sounds a bunch better. Yeah. I don't know, by the way, if you could hear in the background Holly, what sounds like Holly being attacked by the cat. Because <laughs> I could just hear her just going like, no, no. We, we, we read somewhere that the cat, you, cats don't respond to, to negative reinforcement like dogs do Oh? No? you can you can you can they respond to positive reinforcement you can train them to do things by giving them treats afterwards but like a dog you can kind of you know if they keep jumping somewhere you can you know they're you can like tell them off or you can spray them with you know water spray that doesn't hurt them but does like tell them like no spraying a cat with a water spray to get them off of the surface just makes them go why would you do that that's really unpleasant and then they're annoyed at you for a bit and then they go back to the surface like they they at no point make that link um, well, i didn't them something that. that's
2: more fun than that
0: yeah so I... you have to you have to do that but we did read that the, the cats respond respond to low-pitched voices instructions this cat I've just, mm. we've discussed on the show before how this cat is semi-feral and will attack us out of nowhere because right. he lived on the street for a bit too long and he doesn't really know how to play uh, so every so often I'll just hear from the other room just Holly going no in this <laughs> ridiculous deep voice and that's what I just heard like no uh,
2: <laughs> I can't believe that works there's no way that works isn't I, it it? I don't know fully like whether it works
0: but it definitely makes me laugh every time I hear it so <laughs> it's worth it yeah.
1: I always feel like cats have their own agenda yeah. you know you you can't give them negative I, I had I had cats a couple of cats for decades and the way I would always explain it to people is imagine the angriest you've ever been in your life okay you imagine the angriest you've ever been in your life the cat thinks that's a game <laughs> to try and get you that mad <laughs>
2: Yeah, that, that's been my experience with them, pretty much.
1: Um, yeah. I had a cat that used to meet me at the front door and then turn around and run as fast as it could to the drapes and jump as high as it could and then grab on and hang on to the drapes with its claws and then look back over its shoulder at me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you like that?
1: <laughs> yeah. How about this? Good trick, right? <laughs> oh, my God.
0: Um, did you... Am I am I remembering this right as well? Did you used to have the parrot that now belongs to
1: Emery? Yeah, that yes. Yeah. I had that parrot and then um I got married and my wife was not crazy about the she, you know, she didn't sign up for a parrot, but I had a parrot, she had a dog. But the uh. parrot the parent, they can be a little bit loud and they can be a little bitey and they crap on your clothes if you put them on your shoulder. They want you to pick them up. And uh, I was working on the road, and when she, when our daughter was born, my wife was like, "Look, you can't be gone, and I'm a single parent." And this bird is doing all this stuff. And so uh, Emery, Emery signed up to take uh, her
0: Yeah, and I, I lived with Emery for a bit when I first came to America. And so that's another... You know, Emmy, Emmy the bird was also kind of an asshole.
1: Yeah, yeah. She could be a little bit of an asshole screamer. Um, she could do a little bit of biting. You yep. pick her up wrong. She doesn't like something you're doing. She give you a little bite. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I, my friend kind of sold me on parrots as a pet and I did enjoy her and I would have followed through with my commitment, but that's the other thing about birds. They live a long time. Oh, That yeah. bird had yeah. been married 18 years and I probably had that bird six years before that.
2: Wow. Do you no. don't ever want to invest in something that has a lifespan approaching or or exceeding yours for fear of burdening loved ones?
1: Oh, it happens. My manager's got a got a pet parrot that she's had since her mother died seventeen years ago. Oh my God! Yeah, and that bird is going strong, and it's an a hole. I mean, they're <laughs> they're wild animals. Yep. They're not <laughs> domesticated. Like cats are sort of domesticated, but they're also sort of you know. You could turn a cat loose and it would figure something out.
2: And just when you get over to mammals, you're getting closer to the way that our brains function. And, you know, I'm not going to say we can prove animals do or don't have emotions. But, like, it's reasonable to think that a mammal at least has something more closely approaching what we've got going on than, say, a bird, you know.
1: Well, birds are supposed to be, they're they're pretty smart. I mean, they're pretty smart. Well, smart smarter.
2: is different from Emote from, you know, just general experience of the world and consciousness. Not that we know what makes something conscious.
1: But. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. There are, the parents do interact with you. They 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 want your time and attention. They yeah. do want that. But they've also got this weird prosperity mentality. Like if a dog, dogs are on the lookout for food all the time. If something goes out of their bowl, they, they eat it. Birds will picks up out of their dish and it falls down two feet to the bottom of the cage. It could be their favorite thing. There is no, they will never go down and get it and eat it. It's just like, yeah, I dropped it. Give me another one.
2: Uh, sounds like a girl I dated who was a server and she refused to eat any food that had been to a second location. What,
1: what does that even mean? So you you couldn't bring her leftovers or anything?
2: I made. Um... There was a potluck party I, I went to and um, what do you call it when you slice mozzarella and tomato and basil and um, like make those like a tricolor salad? No, it's not even when you just have the slight, the slices um, it's not bruschetta caprese. Okay. Uh-huh. Yes. So I mean so I went to like a high-end place in Portland and got like like really good mozzarella and great tomatoes and balsamic and basil whatever. I made this great dish and I think um, halfway there the thing was cancelled for some reason I brought the dish back completely wrapped it hadn't been touched but it it had left the house and come back and she wouldn't touch it because it had been to a second location is that because
0: of the amount of time it had spent unrefrigerated
2: or is it no, just no it's purely just like a pretentious like food foodie uh, f- person who worked at a high end restaurant thing yeah. just food mu- food must that's kind come. of that
1: same prosperity mentality i i just like look if it's good food i can't stand yeah. to throw i don't like to throw it away i want to eat it
2: i finally threw out oprah's chicken from my freezer that w- that had been there for a year oh god you had oprah I t- over <laughs> i had oprah over I, I did a one-week stint as a pa on oprah's compound up in santa barbara i signed an nda so i shouldn't be talking about it but whatever um but um, at the end of this day I got to pour Ms. Winfrey's tea we had to call her Ms. Winfrey Um, but at the end of the day they had this really great um, caterer and they had all this awesome like carne asada and and chicken in these serving trays and I was like I'll take it home and eat it for a couple days and then I ate what I could for two days and then just put the rest in the freezer I'm like well meat keeps in the freezer and then I just didn't touch it for a year, and I was cleaning it out last week. I was like, that's Oprah's chicken from March 2019, isn't it? I should probably toss that at this point.
1: I can sign off on you throwing that out. That's okay.
2: Yeah,
0: Yeah, we're not going to describe it. Oh, look at Mr. Moneybags there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I am interested. Do you have an article, Matt, about the lifespan of of frozen leftovers?
0: (laughs) I don't, but I do have, if we have time, to squeeze in one extra story. uh, I guess a slightly encouraging story in amongst generally we're, we're killing the world and polluting everything um, and it's all going horribly but um, I'm just going to put this in the in the document there in the, in the shared chat there may not be as many microplastic fibers in oceans as we feared this was linked to from the yes. previous New Scientist article this is still on newscientist.com most of the microfibers polluting our oceans which we have long been assumed to be plastic are actually natural fibers like cotton and wool We don't yet know, however, whether those fibers pose the same health risks to marine organisms. Textile microfibers are major contributors to marine pollution because they are readily shed from clothing during wear wear and tear, drift through the air, or wash down and drain into waterways. For example, Mm -hmm. a single machine wash of polyester clothing, for example, releases half a million textile microfibers previous ocean surveys have tended to count all microfibers as plastic based on the assumption that natural fibers like cotton and wool biodegrade too quickly to persist in marine environments but when Peter Ryan at the University of Cape Town and his colleagues analyzed 2,000 microfibers drawn from several oceans, they found only 8% were plastic like polyester or nylon, the rest Mm -hmm. were natural fibers including cotton which made up 50% of the total and wool which made up 12% and others like silk, hemp and linen they used <clears throat> a technique called infrared spectroscopy to analyze the fibers, which were one millimeter long on average in 916 seawater samples collected from the Atlantic, Indian and Southern Oceans and the Mediterranean Sea. So that's that's surprising <clears throat> because almost two thirds of textiles manufactured today apparently are synthetic It's possible that natural fibers degrade more slowly than previously thought, and that most of the cotton wool fibers currently floating in oceans are pollution from previous decades, when they were the most common textiles used in clothing. And, uh, Hmm. yeah, natural fibers are often dyed and coated in chemicals like flame retardants when they're used to make clothes, which may reduce their biodegradability, says Ryan. An intact dyed cotton waistcoat has previously been discovered in a 133-year-old shipwreck, for example. Uh, yeah Hmm. but even oh here comes the bad part of the story I was like oh Oh, that's great because it's just cotton and that'll biodegrade but then Ryan says even though the study found fewer plastic microfibers than expected natural microfibers may carry the same health risks to marine creatures there's some evidence that crabs and zooplankton are harmed by ingesting plastic microfibers but the impact of natural microfiber pollution on ocean wildlife hasn't been investigated so we should still
2: be trying to reduce the numbers yeah. How does one reduce... Well, I mean, I get when it comes to, like, don't use plastic water bottles. I don't know, like that, maybe... When, well, you're you're when not it comes to clothing... Your, you're
1: not throwing away your clothes as often, but, but my wife is super into this ocean plastic crisis, and so she was very... Proactive, and you know she doesn't have any of those fleece camping jackets. I still have mine, but her thing is like every time you wash them, they release these microfibers into the into oh, the water. Yeah, is the answer
0: to wash stuff less? Is that maybe the well?
1: We've got a we've got a uh, filter thing on our washing machine, so where it it the exhaust hose dumps into the uh, like a utility sink, there's a there's a staged filter bag there that's catching the the microfibers before they go down the drain. Now, I don't know what... <laughs> I know, where, where do we put those when that filter bag is full? I don't know. But
2: Right. But, I mean, to be clear, Matt, this was saying that not as many microfibers in particular are plastic as we thought, but, like, do you see whether that... how that relates to the overall... like, whatever you want to call ocean trash that's, you know, not the size of, like, a... Um, Beer bottle or something But like You know what I mean Like th- is this actually Saying that Like that that Hypothetical Not hypothetical But that, that Trash island People have talked about Which we know of course Is not an island But just an area Where there's Slightly higher Concentration Parts per million Of
1: a it's like a cloud. It's like a cloud,
2: right? Right. When you're in it, you don't feel like you're in it. But no,
1: but if you go, if you go and uh, put a dip net through there of, of, you know, a filtered kind of ladies' nylon stocking. I don't even know if they had those anymore, but that's sure. the kind of dip net thing they use. And then they bring it up, and you can see the stuff that's in there. And so, some of it's these little microfibers from clothes, and a lot of it is, my, you know, we passed a law now in the states where they don't put microbeads into shampoo and conditioner right, and exfoliate anymore. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was
0: a huge one, right? Because every... Yes. Every shower gel just had thousands of little specks of plastic.
1: Yeah.
2: We didn't know! So now it's just the little white balls and hot dogs we have to get rid of, right? Going back to... I think to, that uh, those
1: are biodegradable. <laughs> I think that you can feed those right to a porpoise and he yeah. enjoys them.
2: <laughs> they love it. And you should. do the tricks for him.
1: <laughs> yeah, you should. Well, if you can make friends with a porpoise... And if you can't make friends with a porpoise, <laughs> hot dogs are a great way to start.
2: <laughs> um, if you can't make friends with a porpoise, you got bigger problems than than that, I think. But, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you need to take a look at yourself.
2: Right. This is on you. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: Jake, we should wrap this up, but where can our listeners find both, all of your
1: stuff? Well, I've enjoyed this. I I hope that people are still listening to it. <laughs>
0: um, I, I very much expect they are. And if not they won't hear this bit of the conversation. So
1: Oh good yeah, point. Well but thank you for thank you guys for having me on. You can uh my website is jakethis.com, jakethis dot com. So if, when I do stand up the schedule's on there. But on um on my Facebook page. Page of me, the comedian page. I think is also called Jake. This and I'm doing the live show, weekdays at 3 p.m. with my wife. So you can stop by and say hello. You can watch. There are all the old ones are archived, so you can check those out. We do some fun animal facts, and we talk about how our day and our marriage is going. So that I think that's the best way to get in touch right now.
0: Awesome, and you, you can still also find so much of your stand up going back over the years, including you had a special, a relatively recent special, and obviously your special from back in the day as well
1: yes you can get the you can get a couple of the the dvds of a couple of them if if you even have a dvd dvd player uh on the website and uh, there's tons of stuff on youtube jake johansson i think if you just search jake comedian that jake johansson will come up and then you can go down that rabbit hole and see the many haircuts that i've had (laughs) over all the years
0: that's awesome um uh, so, yeah, thank you so much for joining us. As always, you can find us ProbablyScience.com. That's where our questions, uh, our various art- articles and stories that we've covered are archived. If you want a link to those, you can also find our donation buttons at ProbablyScience.com. You can find us on Twitter at ProbablyScience, individually at Andy T. Wood and at Matt Kershen. You can email us at ProbablyScience at gmail.com with any questions, comments, clarifications, stories you would like us to cover in future episodes. And uh, that's much, That's pretty much all of it. But please- please do track down everything jake's done it'll take you quite a while it'll see you through the rest of the quarantine uh, <laughs> jake thank you so much for joining us
1: oh it's my pleasure Bab. thank you guys